0: We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. I want to start 2021 by sparking a little gratitude. Before we jump into our teaching series, I can't let 2020 go by without giving some shout-outs. So if you're not in the chat room, jump into the chat room because you can join me in giving shout-outs. And the first shout-out goes to our pastoral and staff team for 2020. I want to say thank you, staff, for the way you endured, the way you pivoted, the way you changed, the way you supported, the way you sacrificed, the way you loved the body of Christ. And I just want to say thank you, staff and pastors. I know you worked so hard in 2020, and it was uncharted territory, and and you showed up and you kept showing up. So I'm giving a big shout out. Put your hands together. Let's thank the pastors and the staff team. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Okay, I'm not done there. I want to give a shout out to Pastor Keith, our teaching pastor, and all the other pastors who taught in 2020. Uh, we, we journeyed into, I want to say thank you, Pastor Keith, and all the pastors who taught for sharing in my passion for the Jesus Project. Yeah, yeah. Way to go. 2020. We journeyed through the gospel, the pages of the gospel of Luke, and Jesus meant us there, and he meant with us there. I'm so thankful. Pastor Keith was, so, was a big part of architecting that series and, I, and, of course, delivering messages. Thank you, Pastor Keith, and all the pastors who taught. Now, I also want to thank a smaller group on our staff team, and it's called the Directional Leadership Team. You probably don't even know who they are, but here's who they are. One was Jerry Sen, he just did our Love Army announcement there. One was Matt Smith, he just led us in the Apostles' Creed. And myself, we kind of formed the directional leadership team on our staff team. And I want to say a big thank you to them. They lifted a lot of weight in 2020. Uh, we, we combed through pages and pages of municipal, federal, and provincial COVID-19 protocols. We made very difficult and hard decisions with a little bit of time and a lot of bit of pressure, but I want to thank them especially for the way they've supported our staff team and even helped us retool to better serve you in a virtual and, and digital environment. So a big, you know what's interesting too is they started to work on the same day here at One Church TO. Yesterday, was their work anniversary. So Jerry has been with our team two years and Matt's been with our team 13 years. So a big shout out to Matt and Jerry. Put your hands together, let's thank them. Yeah. All right, I'm hearing, I feel the energy. But we're not done yet. I want to thank a valuable but not often seen volunteer team in our church, and that is our board of deacons. I want to thank them. Yeah, put your hands together. Thank this great group of volunteers who in 2020 meant and uh, we meant more than we have ever meant in a, in a calendar year in our history. We meant with the emergency meetings, contingency meetings, finance meetings, budget meetings, along with our regular meetings. And I want to thank this faithful group of volunteers. I'm going to name them by name. I want to start with the three that as of our last annual members meeting, they stepped down just a part of the way that Uh, We're organized as a church to keep new people coming into our leadership structure. But I want to thank the three deacons that stood with us through COVID-19 this last year, right up till the end of September. I want to thank Rohan Apadurai. Philip Chamberlain, and Joel Smith for just the way they stood shoulder to shoulder with me and the staff team in serving this church. And I also want to thank the deacons that have continued to serve, as well as the new ones that have joined us since September. These people lift such a big load around here. So I want to thank Rodney Barnes, Rob Chung. I want to thank Charmaine Francis, Daniel Lung, Nalini Sen, Silver, Silverina Silveratnam, Joe Shum, Uh, Gladson Thomas and Junior Weir. I want to thank these volunteers. They've done such a fantastic job standing with their their church and standing with the staff, and certainly I have felt their support. Thank you, deacons. And I know our deacons, along with our staff team, would want to thank this group of volunteers, our elders. Our elders. Put your hands together and thank our elders. (laughs) Woo! Now, there's too many of them to name. I can't name them all, but I want to tell you this group of people share the responsibility and the weight of the spiritual health of this church with the pastors. I'm so thankful for them. We're not an organization. We are a spiritual community. And they have been praying and covering and and seeking God on behalf of this church and and praying for protection and calling many of you and praying for you and caring for you. I don't know what we would do without our elders. I'm so thankful for them. And last but not least, let's thank COVID-19. Oh, COVID-19. It's too early, right? Yes, yeah, too early. Yeah, take that off. Yeah, get, 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 get that off the screen, yeah. Hey, in all seriousness, jump in the chat room. I would love your participation in this minute because I do want to end this moment of gratitude by saying I want to give a shout out and I want to give glory to Jesus for the way he's held us together and the way he's managed to help us flourish despite the circumstances. All glory be to Jesus. So jump into the chat room and just put a sentence in there of some way you're thankful for what, how Jesus showed up or how Jesus carried you in 2020. If I have any advice for any of you listening going into 2021, it's this. Don't turn off the gratitude tap. Keep it running freely because gratitude puts us in the space of God. Gratitude helps open our hearts to what really matters and is of eternal value. So practice gratitude. If you're struggling today to find it, listen, in my own personal just private study of Scripture this last week, I read a a verse from the book of Hebrews. I've read it many times probably in the past because I've read that book a number of times. But it, it, it just jumped off the page at my, in my heart, and it's been ricocheting in there ever since. And I wanted to share it with you. It gives us a reason. It says this. Do you see what we've got? See, I think the writer of Hebrews knows us really well. Often, we see what we don't have, don't we? And we miss what we really have. Yeah, You've been like that? You're good at seeing where we're missing it, and maybe not so good at seeing where we're getting it. And he says this. Do you see what we've got? An unshakable kingdom. And we're going to talk about kingdom today. And do you see how thankful we must be? I love these words. Not only thankful, but brimming with worship. Deeply reverent before God. Why? Why brim with worship? Why deeply reverent with God? Because God, for God is not an indifferent bystander. Don't you love that? He's not an indifferent bystander in your life, loved one. He's not sitting there watching things unfold in your life and just watching arms fold it, just watching it happen. No, he's involved. He's involved even when you don't see him, even when you don't feel him. He's involved. Trust him. Trust the process. Trust in Jesus. Look for places to express gratitude. And today is a great day to express gratitude to our Lord and Savior Jesus for all he's done. So I hope this primes the pump and it opens the tap on gratitude for 2021. Now, I want to head into our teaching series. We're going to start a brand new series, Pastor Keith and I, called Being Comfortable with Closeness. I love the artwork for the series. It's by one of our young adults, Daniel. In fact, in the chat room, they'll put a link to his Instagram. You can see the rest of his artwork. Thanks, Daniel, for allowing us to use this for our series I wanted to. We're going to talk and we're going to unpack the, uh, what closeness with God looks like, how we've been originally designed to be in close relationship, just like you and I have been made for relationship, we've been made for closeness. And the whole series we're going to be doing over the month of January is anchored in the very first book of the Bible— this collection of documents, these 66 documents we call the Bible, the very first one. So I'd invite you to turn to Genesis chapter one, if you would. In order to understand who you are and how you're wired to optimally operate, you need to go back to the OG design. You gotta go back to the beginning to see how you've been designed to operate in this world. And every theme in the Bible actually flows out of the book of Genesis. You'll find them all in the book of Genesis, the original design. So let's start, why don't we start right at the beginning? Let's start with the very first verse in the book of Genesis. Here's what it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It goes on with the rest of chapter one to talk about how God takes what was chaos and a void and he brings order he, he brings beauty, he brings goodness, he brings life. And wherever you are and wherever you find yourselves, wherever you find order and beauty and goodness and life, those are the fingerprints of God's creation. Those are the fingerprints of the original design still at work in this world today. And then at the end of chapter 1, God describes, as he looks at all that he's created, he describes it this way. He says, then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. Very good. All of his creation was very good. And as part of his creation, he creates these creatures called humans. You and me. We're humans. And humans have a particular role in God's new creation. And the original design, he has this particular role, and it's this. We are to be reflectors and rulers. This was our role in the original design, to be a reflector and to be a ruler. Now, what does that mean? Well, let's start with the word reflector first. It says this in the opening chapter of Genesis. It says, God created human beings. He created them God-like. Another older version of the scripture would say, made in the image of God. He made, he made humans in His image, reflecting God's nature. That's what they do. He created them male and female. Humans were unique and different from the rest of God's creation. They were to reflect God's nature, His personhood, His values, His character to the rest of His creation. And so, That We are to reflect, we were designed to reflect order and goodness and beauty and promote life wherever we are. That was in the OG, the original design in humans. And humans were unique in that they had this profound connection with God that was different from the rest of the creation. Um, they were close with God. It's well illustrated in a little narrative in Genesis chapter 3 where it says God came in the cool of the evening and walked and talked with the humans. There was a closeness with God. What it describes in the opening chapters in the original design of humans is that we enjoyed a, a relationship with God with no barriers. That, that's a difficult concept for us today because none of us have that type of relationship today with anyone. Uh, uh, No barriers. An idea of a relationship without barriers scares us, actually. (laughs) Scares us because we don't live in the same environment that those first humans did. We live in a very broken environment, which we'll talk about how that happened in a few minutes. Now we only exist in relationships with each other and with God with barriers between us. And those barriers get erected for many reasons. They're meant to protect us. They're meant to keep people from taking advantage of us. They're meant to control others. They're meant to allow us to try to fill the void in our life that we perceive we might have or we legitimately do have. Those barriers are erected for a reason. See, when we lost our close connection with God, we began to reflect something very different from beauty, order, goodness, and life we begin to reflect some very toxic elements. Uh, We begin to be distrustful. If you ever meet someone who's suspicious by nature, have you met them? If if you haven't, maybe you're them, remember that? Uh, And and they love conspiracy or they think of conspiracy. At the root of all of that is distrust. They have a broken element of trust. And that happened, uh, I'll show you where that happened, this is where humans begin to reflect envy and jealousy. They begin to reflect prejudice. And because of these barriers, now, now, now I could hate because I, I didn't fully know them. I could hate. I could have hostile thoughts. Have you ever noticed that if you don't know a particular group of people or something, you can ascribe even hostile motives to them because you're, you're not in relationship with them. There's barriers between you and them. But you and I were created originally to not have barriers, not between us and not between God. But something happened. Now, listen, we all know this to be true, and if you're a young adult, you remember this. You become like those that you hang out with. You really do. You will become like those that you hang out with. And when the humans lost their connection with God and their closeness with God, they moved out from under God's rulership into human values. They begin to reflect characteristics and values of a different kingdom than God. Now, how did that happen? We'll get to that in a moment. But first, the second part of our job description. Humans were to be reflectors, but we are also to be rulers. Here's what it says in the very next verse in Genesis chapter 1, 28. God blessed them. Man, that's powerful, friends. You can skip right over that. But I, I want you to hear this, no matter who you are today, you, you may not even feel this, but I want you to know, God blesses. That's what he does. And he blessed these first humans and placed them in the garden. And he said this, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign which is kingdom language, Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So God blesses these first humans, places them in the garden, and he says, now rule over all of creation. Now, when we think of ruling, we often think of it through the brokenness we see in this world. So a ruler often speaks to elements of oppression, but as you see in the person of Jesus, God's power is different. It's not used to oppress. It's used to elevate. So everywhere Jesus went, he elevated those that are marginalized. He took his power. Even the, the woman who touched the hem of his garment and it was healed, it, was, it cost Jesus. Jesus gave some of his power up so she could receive it. So there's this element of, of giving it away and elevating And so even those first humans, they were meant to be benevolent rulers. They were meant to bring order and promote life and and goodness and care to God's kingdom, to his creation. And we see this early on in chapter 1. And you'll see it throughout the Bible, right into the last pages of Revelation, this concept of kingdom ricochets throughout scripture, resonates throughout scripture. It's an important theme in the Bible, an important concept. In fact, Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven more often than anyone. He talked about it a lot, and even before him, John the Baptist did the same. But the message of Jesus was a very simple, repetitive message that echoed the same message of, uh, of John the Baptist. It was simply this, repent, meaning turn away from where you're at right now, For the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. This is a central message. Now, this concept of the kingdom of God is difficult for us to understand in Western culture in this present age. Because when we think of a kingdom, we think of a place, right? We think of a castle. We think of a queen or a king ruling her subjects. It would be a physical domain. And if you're inside the limits of that physical domain, you are under someone else's rulership. So when Jesus starts talking about a kingdom, what's he talking about? What does it mean that the kingdom of God is even at hand? Well, Jesus is talking less about a physical location, not so much a location, but rather a state of being. A state of being. So to be in a kingdom is to have someone ruling over you. You are being kingdomed, ing at the end. It's, it's the kingdom of God is at hand. When Jesus went around saying the kingdom of God is at hand, he was announcing that the reign of the king is near. The reign of the king has come. And it's the space where God rules, and it's the space where God's will is accomplished. Think of it this way. The English language is a, a unique language. It's, it's, it's not as complex as many languages around the world. Some of you speak other languages. But English borrows a lot from other languages. There are over 700 French words that Anglophones, English people have adopted in the English language. A lot of German, Germanic roots are are in the English language and a lot of Latin roots. So a lot of our words have similar root systems that help us understand how they're constructed. So kingdom is no different. Uh, The same root systems in the English language exist in words like boredom, Freedom, martyrdom, stardom, kingdom. They're they're states of being. They're not a location. It's not a physical location. They're a state of being. Like boredom is a state of being bored. And I hope you're not bored right now. (laughs) Uh, Freedom is a state of being freed. Uh, Martyrdom is a state of being dead. Uh, Stardom, a state of being recognized as a celebrity or a star. And kingdom is no different. Kingdom is a state of being ruled, being under someone else's rule. So, New Testament scholar, because kingdom is a difficult word because it comes from the early English translations of the Bible. And of course, in the early translations, there were lots of kingdoms in the world, there are far less now. And so, to modern ears, it's a bit of a foreign concept, and no wonder we think of a location and somehow, less of a state of being. Hebrew and Greek thought would have thought of a state of being. Now, here's the interesting thing. When it comes to Jesus declaring that the kingdom of God is at hand, a New Testament scholar, N.T. Wright, helps us understand it in a modern vernacular. He says this. To understand the kingdom of God, you need to understand that Jesus is basically asking this question, who's running your show? It's... Who has the rule of your life determines what kingdom you're in. If you're in God's kingdom, God has the rule. He's running your show. If you're in a different kingdom, maybe you're running your show. Or someone's running your show. So humans were designed in the original design to reflect and rule. That was their role. But as I mentioned earlier, something went wrong. And it distorted it. Uh, The reality of humans reflecting and ruling. It distorted a lot. And theologians call this event in this moment the fall. The fall. Kind of an ominous term, isn't it? It was when the first humans in the original design chose to elevate human will over God's will. Chose to elevate the human choice over God's choice. And in doing so, they rebel. It's an act of rebellion, and it moved us out from under God's leadership and rulership out of his kingdom and into a human one. And all of a sudden, humans began to reflect not the values of God's kingdom. We began to reflect the values of ours, and that's when we begin to fight for control. That's when we begin to build walls. Immediately following the act of the fall, you can see it in the pages of Scripture, right in Genesis chapter 3. So the first humans decide to elevate their will. They choose to not listen to God. They choose their will over God's will. And all of a sudden, they have a barrier that they had never experienced between man and woman. All of a sudden, they recognize that they were both naked. And they put together clothes. They made clothes to hide each other from each other. They didn't trust each other from then on. And that distrust has continued throughout the years. One taking advantage of the other, and so walls keep coming up between them. Previous to that, there were no walls between them. There was an equality between them in the original design. But the fall created this. And then all of a sudden, it wasn't just men and women and the relationships we have with other humans that was a casualty. Our relationship with God was a casualty. All of a sudden, there was a barrier between us and God. God comes in Genesis chapter 3 verse 8 to walk with the humans in the cool of the evening, but they hide. And when God finds them, they blame each other. They're blaming everyone. They begin the blame game. What are they doing? They're controlling the narrative, controlling the information, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. And whenever we do that, what we're trying to do is make it somebody else's fault, right? We're trying to tear down someone a little bit more to elevate ourselves. And this begins to erode the human race. The fall, this act of rebellion, spirals the human race out of control. And over for the next 10 chapters in Genesis, you, you see it. You can see the toxicity of the human race increasing, increasing, increasing. Murder, uh, polygamy, all kinds of toxicity begins to permeate the human race. And we live, and this is the story of Genesis, we lived in a world that was very good. God created. Genesis one thirty one. Genesis 1.31 but we've turned it bad. Because we chose to define good and evil for ourselves. And in doing so, we contribute to the world of broken relationships. We all do this. We contribute to the world of broken relationships, to conflict, to violence, and even ultimately death. But there's hope. Even in the early pages of Genesis, immediately following the fall, God says that there will be one that comes, a descendant that will come, that will crush evil. And he's described in scripture early on as a wounded victor, that, that his heel would be bitten, but he would crush all that is evil. This wounded victor would come and establish a way that you and I could come back under the rulership of God. We could come back under his reign. See, centuries later, In another garden, far, far away from the Garden of Eden. Centuries later in the Garden of Gethsemane, after Adam and Eve had struggled with a tree in their garden, Jesus would struggle with a tree in that garden. See, he's struggling over a command. They struggled to obey God in the original garden. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is struggling with this tree, the cross. Because he knows he needs to go on to this tree to die for you and I, to pay the penalty for everything that was evil and broken in this world. And he's struggling with it. And it's clear in the pages of Scripture. Think about it this way. Adam and Eve were in a bright, sunny, beautiful garden with everything they wanted and with each other and, and closeness with God. And God said this. God said to them, obey me about the tree and you will live. And they didn't. And in this garden centuries later, it's dark and Jesus is by himself and he's struggling. And God says, obey me about the tree and I will crush you. And he did. He did it for you. He did it for you. You see, the fall in essence was putting ourselves in God's place. Salvation is God putting himself in our place on a cross where we deserved. Can you see how much God loves you, friend? Can you see the extent to which he would go to reach you and find you? So as we sit on the precipice of 2021... As we sit here and we make decisions, you know, I hope that gratitude tap is gonna be full on for you. But I I, I wonder this, and this is a great question for those of you who are following Jesus and those of you who are not yet, because I wanna pray with both groups. I wanna pray with those in a moment who maybe you don't know if you're following Jesus. You don't know which kingdom you're under. You don't know that you're under God's kingdom and his reign and rule where real freedom comes from. Or for those of us who are Christians, who maybe, you know, we're in the kingdom, but, but not all our stuff is. See, I love what N.T. Wright, how he described it. So here's the question for you today before we go to pray prayer. It's simply this. So is Jesus running your show? Is Jesus running your show today? Now, before you say yes, I mean, I'm sure he's running the areas that you need him to be involved in, right? You know, I have a way of just inviting Jesus, hey, run this area that I can't fix. Run this area that's broken. Run this area that I know I need your help in. But it's in the areas that we all have areas that we want to control. And the act of coming to God as king is you surrender everything you kneel. And so at the precipice of 2021, what would it look like for those of us who are followers of Jesus to surrender? For some of us, you know what you're trying to do? You're trying to control the narrative. You're trying to control relationships. You're trying to control people. It's exhausting to you, but you can't surrender it. You can't trust God to be at work and allow Him to accomplish His will in people, in your children, in your spouse, in others. Maybe you need to come for a fresh sense of surrender. God, would you, would you run the show here? For others of us, we, we, we like to hold on to our things, our money, our resources, our things, our accomplishments. And, 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 you know, God, you can ask anything of me. Just don't ask for that. Maybe today would be a great day to, to allow Jesus to run the show. For all of us, As old mindsets and mentalities and things that we keep holding on to and we can't let go of. Here's what I'd love you to do. Hold your hands out in front of you. The most mature believer among you, hold your hands out in front of you. Because it takes humility to do this. And I hope you're not done growing. I hope you're not done surrendering. And just imagine whatever it is that you're holding out a little bit on. Maybe the things that you're not allowing Jesus to really run the show in. And join me in praying. God, we come to you today. And we have have peered into the original design. And we recognize that we have been made for closeness with you no barriers. So God, we want to even as we follow you, we want to live this increasingly this barrierless life with you. And we know what that requires, surrender. That the walls could go down and God, you could have at it. So God, we surrender the things that we're trying to control. We surrender the things we're trying to keep. We surrender God, our relationships, our resources, our time, our energy, our bodies. God, we ask you to have your will over our will today. Forgive us, God, for the moments that we have closed our hands. Forgive us for the moments that we've not trusted you to run the show, so we feel we have to step in and run the show. God, we say in 2021, We trust you. We surrender. And Jesus, we bow our knee to you today. You are king. We are not. We want your will over our will. And then friends, if you want to follow Jesus and you're not sure if you're a follower of Jesus, I'd invite you to say this simple prayer with me. These are not magical words, but they're just an opportunity for you to express what's already in your heart. So, Jesus, I come to you today, and I bow my knee. (laughs) God, I want you to run the show of my life, (laughs) every area of my life. I, I lay it before you, and I ask you to fill me with your spirit. Forgive me, God, for my contribution to the pollution in this world the broken relationships, the brokenness of creation. Forgive me for everything that I've done that has harmed your creation or harmed myself or put a barrier between you and me. I want that barrier to be removed today, and I'm so thankful that Jesus has made a way that I could come to you. So I surrender, and I choose to follow you on this first weekend of 2021. God, I pray that you would lead me through this year, and God, I would consistently elevate your will over my will. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Love you, One Church T.O. Keep making sure that you allow Jesus to run the show.